All right, guys, today's podcast with Julian Miranda Alcrez from Street Parking. I thought it was a great podcast because I w- I've been really thinking about this, and I think you'd be hard-pressed to find two individuals that have more insight to the CrossFit community and to how to do this well as far as like building a community, running a gym, running a business in general um, than these two, going from being an OG box owner, games athlete for both of them, running their online uh, community of 15,000 plus members in there. Um, there's a ton of insights in here. And and the bottom line is they have some really, really good um, tidbits for uh, for affiliates in order to do this well and build culture and community. Uh, and my advice is really, really take a listen to this and take it to heart because you'd be a fool not to take this super seriously. Um, also, check them out on Instagram, Street Parking. Uh, I'll check out their website, streetparking.com, and check out their podcast as well. But I'll shut up, let you guys listen to the interview. Here's my interview with Julian and Miranda Alcarez from Street Parking. All right, guys, welcome back to the best hour of their day. Fern here with Miranda and Julian Alcarez. And if you don't know who they are, you've probably been, and you're in the CrossFit community, you've probably been living under a rock. Um, but I'll give a real quick bio. And then uh, we'll get into it. So both previous games athletes uh, as individual and on the teams, uh, Miranda, an OG affiliate owner, seminar staff, 300 plus seminars under her belt, uh, also as a flow master. Um, They are the owners of street parking at this point, a massive community, which is doing some pretty awesome things in my opinion. And uh, I was thinking about this beforehand. Miranda, I think at this point, you might have more insight on how to do this well than almost anybody in the community based on like where you started and the things that you're doing now. So selfishly, I'm, I'm kind of excited to have this conversation just I think it's just you have a lot of things and seeing it from so many different levels as an original affiliate owner through that growth as a flow master and now at the broader community uh, working with just a massive amount of athletes um, that you can really shed some light on some things that we all can do better myself included inside the affiliate um, uh, every day to kind of foster that community. So again, thank you guys for your time. I know you're super busy. Wow. Thank you. Like, thank you so much. Hopefully we'll be able to live up to this, this that exciting intro. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no, I have no doubt. So my first question is um, who do you guys consider to be the same person in your relationship? So my wife and I go through this, yeah, who's 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 the that one right there? That was quick. He's much more sane than me. <laughs> right? I yeah. mean, granted, pretty much. I mean, half of our relationship, I've been pregnant or breastfeeding, and so that's not really a fair question. But <laughs> in her, you know, but I don't want you to take all responsibility for being non-sane one. You know. I, <laughs> I, there was a point where I struggled a lot with uh, a lot of uh, insecurities and a lot of, uh, it, you know, just yeah, problems in general. So she's helped me kind of feel comfortable to kind of address those things and just be the person that I am now, which is uh, strong support for her and the family, the way she is a strong support for myself and our family. So, um, but yeah, the, the, she carries the, the the weight of it all when it comes to you know growing the family so i got to do my best to always make sure that no ego gets in the way be as understanding as possible and try to put myself in her shoes you know we had to talk about this the other day how 
not many people take the time to actually thank their wives for being pregnant because it's just because it's not happening to us as men. We don't realize all the things that they're going through until they hit like that emotional uh, dump and they're like, oh my gosh, like I can't do this. And then to a lot of people, they'll look at them and be like, oh, she's crazy. She's pregnant. She's crazy. But it's like, well, no, actually, she's just going through a lot. So always, yeah, just saying thank you for that. So I, I can empathize with that. Our We have two kids, uh, five and a half and uh, seven, almost eight month old. But um, our, our daughter was born 15 weeks early. And so that was, uh, I don't recommend that. <laughs> um, uh, and she's fine. But I really got to see that when my wife got to go full term with the second baby. And, and at that point, like I, so I can empathize with you, Julian, as far as I just, I was just happy for her to be crazy. And on those days when she was just like losing it, because I was aware that she was actually getting to do what she wanted to do was like carry the baby full term. Cause she dealt with a lot of yeah. like postpartum stuff with that first one. So mm -hmm. I, I totally get that. So, um, have, what are some of the big lessons you guys have learned? So my wife and I still struggle with this at times is like just some guidelines as far as working with your spouse. Cause most people don't have to do that, right? You have to work together and then you have to go home and you have to deal with that interaction as well. I think we're really lucky because we both love what we're doing so much um, where it's not unbalanced where one of us loves, uh, what we're doing more than the other one and the other one's like okay let's stop working like i'm over it we're both very passionate about it um and i think along the way we figured out our different strengths and weaknesses um at first when it was just the two of us uh and i still had another job and he still had his other business it was a little bit more difficult because we were both kind of trying to do everything uh but now we can delegate tasks more um to where we don't really overlap that much with each other like we're here together and we talk about big decisions and things like that but i think it's important for you guys um to figure out your strengths and weaknesses and allow the other person to do what they're good at and you go do what you're good at come together for big things but um i think that's what's helped more recently yeah it really has mostly because for, we'll put, for example when we first started street parking it was just like who runs what Right uh, now we're at a point where after all this growth and development, even self-development for ourselves, understanding that Miranda, like you said in the intro, she's had hundreds and hundreds of hours of coaching and running, being on a seminar staff where I haven't. I've had hundreds of hours of being an athlete and I've had hundreds of hours of being like an in-person coach, but never having to teach seminars, right? So knowing that she's got a big strength there, it's like, look, believe in what this product is. You know that I back it 100%, and then it trickles down from there. So never getting in the way of a vision that makes sense because we're in it together and just realizing, you know, where to go from there. I think the other thing that helps is both of us have the same goal for the business. Mm -hmm. Like, it isn't that one of us wants to make it this huge empire and the other one wants to keep it small and never hire anyone. Um, both of us have the same idea that we want it to be as big as it can be while it's still manageable and while we're still able to enjoy our life together. Um, so it's not like one person's like a hard driver and the other person's lazy or anything like that either. So it's, it's finding those things. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. That's something that, because my wife is still in the military. So she, like we struggle with how much for her to be involved that doesn't 
like create too much stress on her because she's doing like a second job on top of that. So I, I left the military years ago and then I'm in the box full time, still working on seminar staff and doing that stuff. So that's kind of my full time gig. And, and we've had that struggle where we've had to sit down and say, okay, what is appropriate as far as workload for, for you to take on in addition to your regular job that you do, in addition to being a mom of two, you know, uh, and all that other stuff, in addition to taking care of the household when I travel, you know, 40 weekends a year to do seminars. So, um, yeah, we've definitely had to, we've definitely had to learn that the hard way in a lot of scenarios. And I've had to eat a lot of crow in a lot of, in a lot of those scenarios and say, you were right. And I'm really sorry that it took me 24 months to come around on that. Like, <laughs> I'm super sorry about that. Um, so um, with regard to street parking, I mean, clear, I don't think anybody expects it to be like what you guys have created. Like, I, I don't know that you guys set out and you're like, this is going to be an empire where you have like more clients than anybody could ever imagine. Like, how did that kind of unfold? Because it happened fairly quickly. I mean. Yeah. Um, it's, speaking of fairly quickly, we're coming up on four years of knowing each other. Like literally four years ago at this moment, we hadn't even met. And so working on baby number two and having like 30 employees that like, yeah, as now that looking back, it didn't necessarily always feel quick at the time, but it, it was quick. Um, we didn't set out for it to have a certain number at all. We thought it'd be cool if we had a hundred members to help us pay our rent and just saw it as something that people were already kind of latching onto when we would do at, at home or when I was still traveling in hotel workout posts. So it was more like a side fun thing um, since we were posting that stuff anyway to make it a little bit more official. It was never, um, there was no, never a master plan for it to become anything big. Is there, what's been the hardest part for you guys? So this is kind of a question that most affiliators hope they have to deal with and then some do and some, some don't end up having to deal with it. But like, what's been your biggest struggle on the back end of the business as you guys have scaled and gotten larger and larger? Like what are some of the hard lessons you guys have learned? You're like, man, that was tough. You know, relationships will come and go. Um, one of the hardest things has been to find the team that we have now. Mm -hmm. And because it is a lot of pressure, it is a lot of weight, right? Because everybody here has relocated to be a part of this vision from where they were at. We have people from Florida, we have employees from California, Utah, like, and they just, they believed in this so much. So that's kind of hard on us, but, and, and making sure that those individuals fit and hoping that they do get the vision. It's one thing saying, yes, I get what you guys are doing. But then once the yes happens, then how's their work ethic once they choose to relocate and how, how's that going to go? Because people can get excited about being part of a company that looks cool on social media because of all the work that's being put behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But then it's another step to come in and then be a part of behind the scenes, the long hours and the, the unspoken words of like, we're not going to tell you guys to not work on weekends, but it, it shows us <laughs> how much, you know like, but it shows how much you guys truly believe if you genuinely are putting in the time that we've put in to continue to make this what it is. Like, why are you guys here? And I see that as a big fault when it comes to building a team for a brick and mortar gym, mm -hmm. because people, of course, they just want to go in and they want to be a coach. Well, why do you want to be a coach? Why do you want to be a part of a coach in my business, as opposed to you coming to be a coach just for the experience. So that way you can go do your own thing. Mm -hmm. So 
just finding the right team and and really breaking down those layers to figure out what their true motives and goals are you know because like i said we've had to break relationships up and it hurts because you know we we build a friendship with these individuals and we've trusted them and when it doesn't work it doesn't work so that's i would say that's step one for are there things are there things that you guys have done to foster that because like miranda you've clearly seen it probably like at the micro level but now at the macro level so anybody who's owned an affiliate we just came up on 10 years and i'm thinking back of like all the coaches who, are, who came in, i want to coach this is going to be amazing and they basically want a free membership and do whatever they want on the side Meanwhile, I'm trying to figure out why they walked by the full trash can a dozen times today and yeah. didn't look at it, you know? So um, I think we're in a pretty good spot now, but I don't, it might be embarrassing to say, I don't know, but like it took 10 years before we like, before we yeah. put a real hard screen on that and got to the point where I was okay saying, no, this, you, you don't fit the culture here. Like, that's fine. You know, I think that one of the um, greatest lessons that I learned working on the seminar staff was um, seeing the hiring process. Now, when I was hired, there was not much of a hiring process at all because that was in 2008. But as I was a flow master, um, there was like a period of time where being on seminar staff, you were like a celebrity in the CrossFit community yep. and everyone wanted to be on seminar staff. And just, uh, I know you've been doing it for a while now and the internship process was um, brutal. I remember even when I got hired, the first few seminars that I worked, I paid for myself to get there. I was paid $0 and I had to borrow money from my parents to go basically apply for this job. And so I really gained a lot from that experience. Um, we would have games athletes come and they would want to work on seminar staff and they would think that they would just have it in the bag because they were games athletes. And then they would show up literally two minutes late and would be asked to leave. Like, um, you know, you know how it is. So I'm really, I was really grateful for that. I was really grateful for the amount of feedback that I got during that period of time and just seeing how important that whole cycle is. And um, so, yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel that I have to back off a little bit because I can have a tendency to expect that of everyone and not everybody has been through that experience yet. But I would say, especially like when we travel and stuff, it's been a huge eye opener to our employees. Like, how hard we work and that this is not a vacation and that like you're on the whole time and we're here for our members. We're not here to have fun. And, um, so yeah, it, that's something that I really learned from working on seminar staff. It's super funny you bring that up because it's not something you can explain to somebody. Like <laughs> you can't explain, people just think it's awesome. Like you just travel around and teach seminars. It's amazing. And, and you can't, people can't grasp, like how tired you are on Sunday because, <laughs> because you've been going just 110% giving everybody everything. And then I agree with you on the internship process. I, that is anytime I have ever come down off of that standard for what the expectation is for somebody coming on my team at the affiliate, it might not have been immediately, but I regretted it every single time. Yeah, so we have like, um, most of the people who started here uh, took huge pay cuts to come here. Um, like he said, they moved here. We expected them to, you know, pick up and, and leave and they're expected to work a lot. And um, it's kind of a screening process in itself. And our goal isn't to keep them at that lower pay amount, but we want to see like, will they take a pay cut to come here? And if not, then they're probably not going to be the right person anyway. So um, 
yeah, it's been, it's been good. And I think that's important. Like what he said too, why, why this gym as opposed to the gym down the street? Um, is it just because we're hiring or is it because you've been a member or you've seen something in our community and really getting to the bottom of that? No, I, I think that's, uh, I think people struggle with that because it's the process takes longer and it's harder as the employer to really hold that line and say, listen, that's, that's not actually good enough. Like, I know you're trying hard, but we need to actually recalibrate what like working hard is and to see if you can meet that. But it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for you as the, as the leader of an organization to get to that point where you're okay saying that to people, of course, mm-hmm. seminar staff helps. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, that, and it's uncomfortable for people who have never been held to a standard like that. Or that's the really hard part where people don't know what they don't know. And I think sometimes, I mean, even with us, because we were very small and we would literally like a year ago, we were still working at Starbucks on our computers. And then we had like folding tables and chairs from Costco. And so people maybe assume when they walk into a gym or a situation like that, that it's not going to be super professional and there's not going to be hard rules and you got to be on time and you got to take out the trash. It's just going to be like the bro sesh all day, every day. And that's not, if you run your gym that way, it's, you're going to have problems. So um, I think a lot of times, maybe when people are trying to get hired as a trainer, they don't think of it as a need to be professional and work hard and that kind of thing. When you brought that up about the people showing up two minutes before, I'm trying to think about the number of interns that I that got cut on day one that just yeah. like showed up five minutes. I remember one where the flow mat, this, this guy walked in five minutes late, mind you. Uh-huh. And everybody was just holding their breath and we're just like, how's this going to go? <laughs> yeah. And the flow master, I think it was Joe Alexander. He was just like, you weren't in the military, were you? And he was like, no. And he goes, yeah, I can tell. And like went right over his head. Like he didn't get what, what the point of that convert, that interaction was. And that was it for him. He was gone. And it might've been a nice guy. Maybe not. I don't know. I still have nightmares. Like I still will dream about being late to a seminar and like, can't like kids, like you have dreams of being late to school. Yeah. I still, <laughs> dreams of seminars being late. It's so funny. I'll wake up in the morning. Sometimes I'm like, what time is it? Did I miss the trainer meeting? I'm like, what, <laughs> like, what is happening right now? Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about um, street parking a little bit more in depth, but I, I wanted to get your guys take on programming. Cause I've heard you discuss it a little bit and I think you guys probably fall probably what I would consider into the bucket of old school with with regard to programming mm-hmm. um and I know you have a, a pretty good relationship with Pat Ran. I started at his gym like 11 years ago I think mm-hmm. um and but I, you I personally kind of look around in the community and I see a lot of those people that, that I think fall in that bucket and it's it's all what I would consider simple mm-hmm. can you guys talk a little bit about like do you think that has helped your success with regard to street parking? I think it helps with the success of our members, which helps with the success of street parking. I think that um, because it's online, it's um, easier for us to communicate what's expected and what the goals are for the workouts and what the movements are and things like that. I think it's easier for them to wrap their head around it and just do the workout, um, which gives them higher intensity they're able to keep a higher intensity we don't program anything super heavy there's always a dumbbell option tons of our workouts have just body weight options so they're able to move faster more consistently safer and because they're on their own and we're not there to coach them which gets them better results and then that helps the community and i bring that up because the tendency which i'm sure you guys see is to do more 
-hmm. when a lot of, I mean, I mean, virtually every conversation with regard to programming at the level one and level two is a conversation about volume in the day, at which point we're just constantly pulling people back in. I'm like, you don't need all of that. Like you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's hard to get people to bite off on that, but I do think, I don't know if you guys see it. I do see a little bit of a shift back, maybe not all the way back to just do less, but at least center is what I, we're starting to see, which I think is good for the community and as a whole. You know, every person that wants to start their journey when it comes to working out always wants to feel like they're in control of that. And where programming with a lot of people has gotten has put people in a position where they don't feel in control of what they're doing. They feel humiliated, they feel humbled, which only a certain mentality, and it's like the athlete mentality that will, I want like that'll that'll fire them up. But for the most part, that's a big insecurity for a lot of people that take that first steps to walking into a mm -hmm. gym. So keeping things simple has actually made it so that way they feel like they're in control of their work, their workouts, and naturally that will progress them into oh, I can do this now, what's next? As opposed to being like put in a position where like, I have no control, I can't do that, I can't do, and then they panic. So it's just, you're right, going back to the basics, which are very effective, and me and Miranda have been working out for only one workout a day for the last, since we started street parking. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously when I was training at the time for the games, it was a little different, but I still kept, condensed it down to an hour, and did the street parking workout, and I, scale and modified it up to my ability and then i would throw in an accessory weakness and that's it and then back to what i and so keeping the purpose of what we talk about all the time so um yeah that's why we take the approach of the simplicity and then telling the members more than nothing right because it's going to be hard for them even on their day-to-day -to, -day, to just even jump into a gym based off of all of their daily struggles that they're going through and i think as coaches and owners sometimes we forget their obstacles on a day to day and we're like, you're here, so do it, right? And that can be very intimidating to them. It's like, well, are you understanding of my life? So once you mm -hmm. kind of allow yourself to be understanding of what they're going through and keeping things simple, it sets them up for that, that connection that they're needing from a workout program. I think as a gym owner too, like I can only imagine now being someone who works a lot and has a child and you know we're trying to always like work on our marriage and everything when I was a gym owner I was just a gym owner and I was at the gym all day and then working seminars I didn't have a kid or anything like that I was younger um and we always kept it simple at our affiliate because it was 2008 to 2011 and that was still like <laughs> but um I can't imagine if I was a member of a gym now being as tired as I am or stressed out as I am working all day and taking care of my child if I looked at what the workout of the day was and it was like part A, B, C, D, I just be like, oh, like I can't. But if it just said like thrusters and burpees, I might be like, okay, that sounds terrible, but I can wrap my head around that. And so for getting people to show up, I think if it's just over-programmed and every minute of the class is like just full and you gotta be going the whole time and your mind's gotta be on the whole time and there's no real time for them to chat with each other and just laugh and de-stress, um, I wouldn't be super amped to go in unless I had a lot of energy and felt like it, which for most people is not very often. Exactly. And when, for anybody who hasn't picked up on a lot of what you guys are talking about is everything that you guys have designed. I know because I've been doing this long enough is intentional around being empathetic to your members, understanding like that they're dealing with things that they have a life that is stressful, that this is 
intended to be <laughs> beneficial to their life and not add more stress to that. Um, but what I think is really cool is that you guys have been able to do that at scale. And I, you brought up something in a previous podcast that I was listening to about um, getting feedback from your members of why they left their affiliates. Yeah. And what I thought was just crazy, which is largely the point of this podcast is people were telling you that they got more coaching from you virtually than they were in the affiliate. And this kind of go, goes back to a previous podcast that we did, which is we're just trying to get people to open up their eyes and be like, as a whole, the affiliates can be better. Like we're just not good enough coaches, like collectively, we just put us all in the bucket, be like everybody needs to be better. But that is, that's crazy to me that somebody's getting better coaching via the internet than they would walking into your gym. Like that is just asinine. Yeah, I think a lot of times um, because of the way people structure their classes and because maybe the coaches are coaching too many classes back to back to back, which is exhausting and hard, um, or maybe the coach isn't the person who programs the workout, which is fine, but doesn't take the time to dissect the workout and think about it and break it down. So for us, we provide, this is how, this is how long the workout should take. And so if you're looking at the workout, if it's four rounds, the first round should take you no longer than five minutes. And if it does, you need to change something. And we encourage them to change even mid-workout if they need to. Um, this is how you should choose your weight. This is how many reps in a row you should be able to do. We give no, uh, nothing, we have put no emphasis on RX or anything like that. We really encourage people to choose weights for what they are able to do. We give them all sorts of substitutions and modifications for equipment and then also just for, you know, because we have people who are former games athletes and people who have not worked out ever or in years. So we have to jam all of that information in there into our descriptions every day. And I think um, it's really time consuming, but I think that's where coaches might get not lazy on purpose, but maybe just don't even take the time to think through that before they just go in and start coaching class. It's super funny to bring that up. One of the most downloaded episodes that we have for our podcast is the episode on the whiteboard brief because what we told everybody, and I tell this to people on the weekends at the seminar, I said, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that virtually every scenario that you're going to pose to me about the athlete in your gym that gives you problems or the thing that you're having struggle with all the time can be solved in that three minutes at the whiteboard brief. And just based on what you just told me is you guys have essentially mastered the art of painting a picture of what is supposed to happen so that people are like, Oh, okay, I get it. I know what's supposed to happen. Like mm -hmm. here's what's appropriate. And that is, I agree with you. That's what I don't think coaches spend enough time doing is just understanding what this workout is intended to be. It's not just a thing that we wrote with reps on it. And then you just kind of do it like, Hey, whatever happens, happens guys. Like, no, it was, it was designed intentionally. And I don't think coaches really understand the value of that what you guys provide to people, to your athletes on the front end, which is like, guys, this is supposed to be done very specifically, right? Not just whatever happens to unfold. Mm -hmm. um, do your members, I would imagine they have to appreciate that. And I would imagine that most people will probably like buy into that. Yeah, I would say most people do. It's just, we have some of the same struggles that uh, coaches in, in the gyms have, like we'll take, so much time to do these videos with like, so we have a demo video every day that shows all the movements and all the, the sub options. And then 
whichever one of us is in that video, we'll do like, we'll choose one movement to do a tip on how to be more efficient on it. We rotate what movement we choose and things like that. And then there's this big, long written description. And literally we get questions like, well, what if I can't run? And it's right there. It's right, you know, so it's the same thing. You're like, I've, as a coach, you're like, I just told you what the workout is. Like, you know, so we have the same issues, but Mm -hmm. um, you know that you guys deal with it virtually because that is something I just tell coaches when they come on. I'm like, if you can't deal with somebody asking you a question that you just covered four times, like this is probably not the job for you. I've, I've given what I thought was the world's greatest whiteboard brief and then had one of my members just raise their hand and be like, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't paying attention to anything you just said. Can you just, and at that point, I'm like, you're, you're just here to work out. All right, got it. Understood. Like, you're not here to listen to me talk. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is I think a lot of times we get, cause we have a very active Facebook group and people will say, Oh, I did today's workout wrong. And they think that they're like in trouble or something. We're like, Oh, whatever. Like, yeah, you did too many rounds or you cut the run short or whatever. We're like, it's fine. You worked out. Good job. You know? So, um, we don't take it too seriously or make them feel you know, dumb or wrong if they mess something up and we're more concerned that they just did something at all. So on that note, so obviously to do what you guys are doing, you, it's basically a requirement that you use social media pretty effectively. What are some things that you guys have found that you're doing that affiliates should be doing on social media? Well, uh, for starters, one of the things that we make sure we keep even from the beginning, we just engage so much with our community online. We comment on everybody who's the hashtag street parking. We follow every single one of our members. We're always encouraging them. We have a whole line of commenters that are members and have been members. So that way they can relate to the members that we currently have, right? Um, same thing, me and Miranda will go live often so we can chat with our members, answer any questions as much as possible. I mean, we're just so heavily engaged and letting them know that for us, it's not about getting new members it's about taking care of the members we currently have making them feel important because if they don't feel important they're going to go to someone else who makes them feel important mm -hmm. right so just got to take care of the people you have engage with them and let them speak highly of you and your and your gym and that's going to be that's what's because then they'll understand what their purpose is of being there and the the mission of the gym and they'll bring in the people that feel fit that role they'll know which friends to target and that's just going to continue being loyalty. It's slower. It is because you can definitely go run ads. You can do definitely Groupons. But now you're inviting somebody who doesn't understand the culture of your gym. And this is all stuff that I've learned heavily from watching Miranda approach things. And even just once hearing her talk about it and we discuss, then we apply it. And we actually stick to it. So... Yeah, I think like you have to build real relationships. And in 2019, if you're really friends with someone, you follow them on Instagram and you pay attention to the things that they post. So um, I think of it as like if you, let's say you had a favorite coffee shop that you went to, if that coffee shop started following you and would like, you came in and were like, oh my gosh, I saw it was your son's birthday over the weekend. Like that was, those pictures were so awesome. You would be like, oh my gosh, like they actually know me as a human being. Um, one of the things that I talked about on that podcast that you were listening to before that talk that I did to affiliate owners was how powerful would it be if you knew that so-and-so's grandma died and during the week and then they showed up two days later, if the coach of the class knew that and said like, Hey, I know you're going through a lot. Like, let me know if you need anything. So glad you're here with us. And 
just if you just follow your member, I mean, for us, we're following like over 17,000 people. We try to keep a pulse on it. If you've got 200 members just asking the coach, like, hey, on the days that you're coaching, just swipe through, see what's going on in people's days and get to know the members and comment from our, our gym's Instagram page, or it, maybe it's a Facebook group or whatever, but um, that's how you get to know who's coming to your gym. That's who you get to know who your market is because every every CrossFit gym is different, no different than our program attracts different people than Comp Train and even different people than Pat Sherwood's linchpin or whatever. Um, we get to know who are our members, who is attracted to this, and and then we can do a better job of serving them. And I think that's important for the gyms to do as well. And that is something that really struck out to me, which is kind of one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to you both is because part of my personal mission with regard to the podcast and best hour of their day is to talk to people and expose the community to things that eliminate their excuses to do what they do poorly, right? So you guys are that example of if you can have relationships with 15,000 people and you guys don't have 200 employees, right? Like if you can have relationships, then no gym owner has an excuse to not have these relationships. If you have a hundred members, then I don't know. I'll just, I'll just say this pretty bluntly. Then you're just lazy. Like you're just not trying hard enough. You know? I will say this in defense of gym owners though. One thing me and Miranda do talk about because people have gotten real heavy emotionally on our Facebook page. Yeah. We talk about like, man, this is one of the things that I, we do not miss is just having to like the physical, at least seeing those people on a day to day and then having them, let's just say they feel connected to you and then they don't want to leave. It's like, we can just shut our screens off and be like, <laughs> we'll be back we, in a minute. We'll be back, you know? So that in itself, like I can see that being so emotionally draining because then how do you tell that person that's nonstop gossiping in the gym to be like, Hey, like I get it, but don't do that. You know, like that's not good because that's not healthy either. Right. So those are different obstacles that you guys face as like a, having a, a box as opposed to us, but we definitely have a pulse on that. And for us, it's easy as we're going to delete this comment, reach out to an individual, let them know why, like we did that. Um, please like email us directly because we'd love to chat with them, but don't involve when it comes to certain topics, like we can't have that kind of be in our environment. So yeah. So give yourselves a little slack on that. Cause that's rough. That, that's rough. Yeah. Yeah, but one of the things that we talked about is like if you're if you're a coach and you coach the 9 a.m. and then you don't coach again till the noon, pay that coach to go on to the Facebook group or pay that coach an hourly rate for those three hours to go comment on people's Instagrams or or do some posts or something because um, they're just going to sit around or work out the whole time <laughs> anyway. So you can put them to work um, doing something else. Yeah. That, but it's funny you talk about getting stuck at the gym. My wife has like a, it's a running joke that she'll text me and ask me when I'm coming home and I'll say I'm leaving in five minutes. And, oh, she, yeah. and she says, and she says, immediately, I just know you'll be home in an hour. And the gym is six minutes from our house. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I know you're going to get stuck talking to somebody and yeah, but it can be emotionally draining, but I mean, that's kind of, that's what you signed up for. Like, but that is also what keeps people in the gym. I would say that's what differentiates us from most of the other online programs too, because most people see what we're doing or see the um, online program space and like, oh my gosh, maybe they are a gym owner and like, wait, hold on. I don't have to have relationships with anyone. I can just put a workout up and then I'll make all sorts of money. 
And um, I've said it a million times. I think our programming is great. I think we offer way more options than most, if not all other programs. But the big difference is the connection that we have with the people and the amount of time that we're spending building relationships with them online. Um, it's a lot of work. And most people, when they get into the online space, it's not, it's not the reason that they're doing it. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't do it, whether it's virtual or in the affiliate, is for that exact reason. Like, it's hard. And, and most people are not going to sit at the computer and send 70 text messages to their members in the afternoon, like yeah. I did yesterday, just to see how's it going, like what's up. Uh, and that's something that I you know, had to learn the hard way is that regardless of like how slow you want to build or if, you, you know, if you're trying to grow your gym, the first thing you have to do is keep who you have, right? Mm -hmm. And that requires time. Um, so we've got to the point now where you know, we break it up between the coaching staff, kind of probably similar, just on a much lower scale than you guys have is we reaching out and, and texting or email or calling every single member in the gym every single month. Be like, what's up? And kind of like what you mentioned earlier, some of the responses that I've gotten back, I was not prepared for. Like, <laughs> like incredibly emotional, just crazy stuff where, you know, I was just expecting you to just, say, yeah, I was working, not give me a long thing about how you're dealing with depression, you know? Yeah. And, but now I have the opportunity to help you because you were going to stop coming and then you were going to have to deal with that on your own. And now I can help you at least in the gym, at least kind of start to deal with that. But those are little things that you're not going to find out unless you're reaching out to people. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing I wanted to ask you guys is because you guys – and this is, um, I've kind of followed you guys on there. You guys do, I don't want to say a good job because it's not a good job that you do it, but you're very open to being vulnerable on social media. Like, you know, like I've seen you Miranda on there, just like really just kind of putting all your feelings on your sleeve. And I think that is, it, it might be due to pregnancy. I don't know, but like, I, <laughs> it's, that's not something that you typically see from people <clears throat> it's kind of the opposite of social media these days where like everybody just shows you the good shit. Nobody's like today was terrible. Like, and that's just how it rolls sometimes everybody. And I think that is, it's very authentic. And I think affiliate owners could do a better job of that. Just exposing you like, listen, like this is not all rainbow and sunshine. It's like we have shitty days just like everybody else. And I think that makes you more human and helps you can make connections. But is that something that you, have you always been like that open to that? Or is that something you've learned? I would say um, I've always been like that just as a person. Um, and I'm very empathetic, uh, maybe sometimes to a fault. And um, yeah, uh, but you know, some things that I learned about that specifically when it comes to being a trainer was um, in 2012 when I was in my car accident. Um, and we shared that story and I shared a lot of my recovery and, um, just the amount of people that reached out to me afterwards saying like, um, you know, I've followed you for a long time, but you're, I can connect. I feel like I can connect with you more now because, um, you showed that you had to struggle and you went through this. And even though it's different than my struggle, I saw that not every, you know, everybody has their things that they go through and, um, you know, I kind of did the same thing when I injured my knee and I showed the, the re I mean, there was tons of footage of me just crying on the CrossFit games floor. So, uh, uh, you know, people really reached out after that. And I just, um, I guess I've always understood the importance of, you can't really 
connect with somebody who's not willing to share themselves as well. Um, and yeah, I think, I don't know if I got it from my parents or something, but I've always just kind of been like that as a person and I've seen how much it, how important it is as a trainer. Is that hard to manage? Like, do you like, I, cause I know a lot of people wouldn't do that for fear of judgment. Is that something you've had to work through? Like, so I write a blog that's like the written version of kind of what you've done on some of your social media. And it's basically all about like things I've messed up or like what a horrible dad I was that day or something like that. Or like, I forgot to take my kid to school one day, you know? Um, and, and yeah, long story, but, but people have come back to me and they're like, I don't like, I used to envision you as this, this coach who was up here, but now I see you as a person, which makes this interaction a lot easier. Um, mm -hmm. I've just always been this person. I'm like, I don't really care if you like me or not. It's just, I am who I am. Um, but not everybody's like that. And for, and to, for you to put yourself out on social media, that's really hard for some people to be vulnerable and be like, but yeah, I'm crying to everybody right now. You know, it's so funny because on like our like third date, I told him like every secret and everything that he might find out eventually. Um, because I was like, listen, I don't have, I, I was like 30 three years old or something like that. I was like, I don't have time to figure out if you're still going to like me once you find all this stuff out. So I just like told him everything up front. And yeah, I think, um, I think for me, maybe it's, uh, it's the way that I am because I'm really bad at lying and I'm really bad at hiding my emotions. So I might as well just tell you what's going on. Um, and I don't think you need to be as like emotional as I am or like, you know, share everything, but if your job specifically is a trainer, for example, you don't need to share what's going on in your relationship or you as a parent, but you should work out with people and they should see you struggling through a workout at least. You should share, I'm tired today and I don't feel like working out, but I'm still gonna do it. Or I didn't work out at all last week and I ate pizza because I was stressed out about this or that and show that you have the same struggles that they do and how you're overcoming them. You don't have to share stuff that doesn't have anything to do with your job, but um, at least if you can share that stuff, then they'll, I mean, cause a lot of trainers, especially if you're like a fit younger guy or gal, people are going to be like, this person doesn't understand me. They have no problems in their life. They're just working out all day and looking hot and doing whatever. But if you can share some of the struggles that you have when it comes to training or working out, I think it's can help people trust you more, a lot more actually. Yeah, I think it's what what I've learned is it just it makes you a real person, not this this person who sits at the top and judging everybody and do all that and be like, listen, I, I mess things up too. It's fine. Like I get it. Don't sweat it. Um, the kind of on that same note, because both of you guys competed at a very high level, and and I do think just based on where a lot of affiliates are now, I think there's a lot of affiliate owners slash coaches who are kind of going through this evolution where. They started a gym because they wanted to get fit and they wanted to compete, but now they're whatever you call it, aging out or whatever. And they have to make this switch to understanding that, yeah, I'm not going to pay my bills being fit. So I should probably be a pretty good coach at this point. Is, was that, some people struggle with that. Some people don't. Is that something you guys had to go through? I would say definitely me way more than her. Mm -hmm. Like she's always had, you know, a good future lined up for her where I was like, uh, went to LA, wanted to become an actor, which <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. It's about I, as realistic as becoming a games athlete. <laughs> it pretty much is, you know, I mean. Well, you've done both. So, I mean, check both those boxes. <laughs> I have, I have. Um, but it was a lot of growing that came from that. 
you get to a point where you do realize that being healthy is, uh, is a blessing in itself, right? And how you apply that into the day-to-day, you know, because you get, but I, I empathize with athletes because everyone is out there trying to prove something to themselves and they have to be honest as to what it is that they're trying to prove to themselves. That's why you'll see certain athletes still out there. And you're like wondering a lot of people are like, why are you still out there? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why are you coming back? Like, you're amazing. That's it. Like you're, you're a legend. Why are you there still? And now you get to a point where you just feel bad. So what I say in return, like what I went through is taking a moment, luckily getting married and just having something to look forward to as a father. I was like, I know that this is not realistic anymore. It's not paying the bills. It's how can I take what I've learned and turn it and apply it to what we're currently doing. It was really hard. I would say even after a year of street parking and knowing that I wasn't going to compete the next year, there was like Wadapalooza and even just doing an online qualifier just to participate in it. Like my ego was giving me like a hard time just doing that, just for me facing that I wasn't in the top, top 1% anymore. But that's okay because I'm still really fit and I am to do what I need to do. I'm way ahead of the game and I feel great. I've cleaned up my eating. I've applied everything, all my energy into educating myself, learning how to be a better father, husband, uh, business owner. And that's rewarding. So it's refinding purpose that I feel a lot of people struggle with because when their purpose was something for so long, I get it. I totally get it. But in order for you to get to that point, you have to slow down and stop and be honest with yourself and be like, why am I doing this? And I don't think people allow themselves that. You know, something that I used to, or, and maybe you guys still say it, or maybe some coaches still say it at the level ones, when teaching the pull-up progression, we used to say, now pay attention to the actual way that we're coaching this because no one cares how many pull-ups you can do. They care how many you can help them to be able to do. So this isn't about you showing off that you can do 10 pull-ups in a row, like learn how we're teaching this so you can take that back with you. And it's so true. Like people really, and the CrossFit community or fitness community at large, honestly, and I know this to be true because I've been out of it now for four, almost five years, has no idea who competes in the CrossFit games. Like they just don't. Zero. No. the entire time I was on seminar staff, people thought I competed every year. And I only competed um, in 2008 and 2014 and 15. Like the entire time in between, people just assumed because of the way that I looked or because I could do muscle ups that I was a games athlete. Like they don't know. They just kept, knew that I was a great coach and were inspired by watching me work out. Um, so I think people put way too much emphasis on on that title. and don't understand that people don't really care. They just care if you inspire them. That's important for sure. But then also how you can help them. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I'm about as entrenched in the cross. I've judged, I think this is my sixth or seventh year judging. And I think the past three years I've shown up, they're having zero idea who the athletes are. I mean, there's a couple <laughs> big names, you know, but yeah, of course. on my way there, people are like, who's, you know, who do you want to win? I'm like, I literally have no idea who's, I'm, who's going to be like, I'm just going to show up there judge the squat and, you know, tell them yes or no, you know? So, um, but no, uh, we do still start a lot of those breakouts for the pull up and the muscle up that way. And I'll ask okay. people, how many of you guys have muscle ups? And they raise their hands. I'm like, nobody cares. 
Like <laughs> nobody cares because somebody can do more muscle ups than you. Here's yeah. who cares that, that, that woman, that's that mom with two kids who wants to do a muscle up, who you're going to make her year by getting her the muscle up. That's who cares about that skill. Right. Um, I, I think that, and I think a lot of coaches and I'm, I'm, I know you've seen it, Miranda, a lot of coaches struggle to be good coaches because they might not have a skill. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And they, and they undervalue what is actually important, which is allowing getting somebody else to their goal. Mm-hmm. Um, is there, have you guys been able to do any of that within your community there? Like, cause I know you guys are doing the virtual coaching there, but are you guys seeing that as well? And I ask that because you guys are both incredibly fit and you're still really fit, even though you're working out one time a day and kind of to, to go back to Julian's, that transition that he was talking about is I was kind of, I would never competed at that level. But I played college athletics and then competed at CrossFit at regionals. And then one day I was just, I was like, this doesn't matter. (laughs) Like nobody cares if I can do this or not, you know? And then I was just, for whatever reason, oddly at peace with that. And I was just like, okay, now, now I want to be good at helping other people. Right. And then do you guys have anybody in this? Like, does anybody in that community, I know you guys probably don't because you don't emphasize it, but do people come to you guys knowing you're high level athletes and want to compete? Um, we'll have, actually, I had somebody reach out this week who was a father of four and has a full-time job and said that he would like to compete and he's a member, um, and is doing street parking going to be enough. And I had to just go back to him and say, well, there's a lot of follow-up questions to this. When you say you want to compete, do you mean like at like a local throwdown, or are you talking like you're trying to go compete at the CrossFit games? Like there's a very big difference. We're still huge um, supporters and a lot of our members go and compete in local competitions. They post, they'll get street parking teams together and they'll go wearing their street parking shirts and they do it. And I mean, I'm such a huge supporter of that because it pushes people, it gets them fired up and there's community within that as well. Um, but he came back and said that he, he thought it would be cool to compete in the games. And so my next follow-up question was why? Like you have a great job and you have four kids, like what? What is it? And he honestly said that he, he was under the impression that to be a good coach, you had to compete at a high level. And so then that started a whole new conversation of, uh, I would say that most of those people competing are not great coaches because it's all 100%. You're thinking about yourself and you're so you're dialing in on the skills. So in such a small way that you have a hard time, even like wrapping your brain around what a brand new person needs to hear or is going through. So um, I would say more than anything, we have former, a lot of former like team, no big name, like former games athletes, individuals, but we have a lot of people who competed at regionals and the games on teams, mm-hmm. um, especially moms who um, are members. Yeah. And I mean, good luck with me ever being on the top of the street parking leaderboard. Forget that. That's like, <laughs> I was like, who are these people? So it's great. But most of them are like, we've we've joked about street parking being um competitive crossfit rehab because we don't care what your scores are we don't look (laughs) at the leaderboard we don't celebrate who won the workout we don't care you know if you sub this or that and this person has an 18 inch box and this person has a 20 inch box like we don't look at any of that we don't police any of that so it's it's hard for a lot of people and i mean even for us i would say more so for him because uh he was still competing when we started it um it takes a while to break out of that, like looking at all the scores and saying, so it's so cheated or this can't be possible and just letting your workout be yours. So, yeah. 
I had to, when I kind of finally decided I didn't want to be competitive anymore, I just stopped logging all my scores. Yeah. I was just like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care. I mean, I know basically what they are. And it's like, and again, I was just like, I'm as fit as I'm ever going to need to be. Like yes. For any real life scenario, I probably got, I got a lot extra probably. And I'm like not nearly as fit as I was, you know, four or five years ago, but I'm yep. still pretty fit for a guy who's going to be 39 next month. So it's like, yeah. like, what does it matter? Okay. Um, last piece. Uh, and then I'll let you guys go because I know you're busy. The, what are some things, you know, so again, just to give context of like 300 seminars, been into hundreds of gyms, now have this really big community who's giving you insight into affiliates these days. What have you guys both seen that are the marks or the hallmarks of a really good affiliate? I would say for, even if it's not just affiliate, anytime I walk into any business and I feel welcomed, that it's like that first impression, you'll, you'll know right away. Um, cause that, that sets the tone be like, wow, that person was really nice. And like, you know, um, just listening, I want to be listened to and heard. I would say that's going to be first steps without overcomplicating things. Mm -hmm. I think, um, for the affiliates, it's obviously, it, it can't be the way that it was when I started my gym, which was dirty and random <laughs> equipment, used mm -hmm. equipment. You know, at this point you've got to have a, a nicer space, but even more important than that, um, because that. That is important nowadays because people are going to be able to compare, but you can have the nicest facility in the world and still have no one in it. Um, the balance between having a good time and having a high quality professional program, um, and there's got to be a balance. And you've seen the gyms where they have a great time, but there's no coaching going on and the program is not thought out whatsoever, but everybody loves each other. Um, that's great. It's going to be hard to bring new people into that and show mm -hmm. them the value there. Uh, or you've seen super on paper looks perfect programming and fantastic as well as far as knowledge goes coaches, but no um, good times are being had. Like nobody's um, laughing. Everybody's just no, like, like very serious and boring. You've got to find the balance between those two things. And if that means you've got to have somebody who writes the programming and somebody, that person does not run the classes because they have a hard time connecting, yeah. that's fine. Don't assume that just because somebody's good at making workouts, they are good at connecting with people. Like those are two very different skill sets. Obviously trying to find both of those in the same person is great. But um, I think that's another pitfall of a lot of gyms is they give one or two people all of the jobs. And I get it. Like you can only afford to pay so many people, but um yeah, the, just balancing those two things. It's funny you bring that up because that's, before you said that, that's kind of where my mind has been lately is that, you know, I work on seminar staff. My general manager works on seminar staff. So I know the product that we're giving is good. But now for whatever reason, the past couple of months, like my focus has been like, are people having a good time? Mm -hmm. Like, are, do they enjoy coming here? Like, that's the only thing I give a shit about these days. I'm like, I don't like his knees are touching when he squats. I'm like, we need to fix that. However, is he having a good time? You know, like, that's, that's like where I'm at. Like, and I don't know why, but I feel like that's just probably more important to some extent. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, very cool. Uh, last thing, do you guys, are you, do you guys read books at all? Uh, we do a, little, a lot of audio books while we're driving or okay. you know, walking the Any, dog. Anything you recommend for the listeners? 
Oh man, my three top books, I'm actually listening to one of them again right now. The three top books recently were Atomic Habits, okay. uh, The Art of Not Giving a Fuck, Yep. and um, Start With Why. Simon Sinek, yep. Yes, those are the okay. three um, in the last like six months that I've really loved. I'm gonna go with, for starters, uh, Four Agreements. Okay. Second, the Alchemist, and third, start with why because you got to figure out who you are and what you truly want and then understand your why for doing it so four agreements allows you to understand yourself the alchemist what your journey your personal journey is and what your legend you want to be and leave behind and then start with why purpose the start with why is an interesting i've read that book twice and every time i finish reading it i think i figured it out and then I start asking, I'm like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Like I start re-questioning myself over and over again, which I, sometimes I think I'm like, that's what I should be doing. But then sometimes I think I'm a crazy person. So I don't know. Um, cool. So where can people find you guys? What are all obviously street parking, but like social, uh, Instagram, anything else you guys have going on? Yeah. So I'm at fearless Miranda on Instagram. Our street parking is at street parking. He's at zero zero nine Julian. That's with a J, by the way, J-U-L-I-A-N, <laughs> um, streetparking.com, and uh, yeah. yeah. Cool. If you guys are listening to this and you haven't checked it out, I highly recommend it. Um, I've been following you guys for a while. I really dig a lot of things you guys are doing, and um, you know, just from a thank you from me to you guys, there's things that I've learned from you guys just virtually, and like, you know, Miranda, we both work on seminar staff, but I've, our paths have crossed just like we never worked together. I think we met briefly once at a trainer summit once, but like, um, but things you guys are doing have helped me and the affiliate and we'll probably continue to for years to come. So I'm hoping um, that this is going to add value to a lot of the listeners. So uh, I really appreciate it. Thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I appreciate Absolutely. that. Yep. All right, brother. All right. Take care. Thanks again for listening to best hour of their day. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did one more time, please leave us a review on Apple podcast and send us any feedback you have to at best hour of their day on Instagram and best hour of their day at gmail.com. If you want to shoot us an email, we appreciate you. Thanks again. Have a great rest of your day.